Zorba Pastor on Your Health is pre-recorded. From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on Your Health. I'm Carl Christensen, and I'm here with family doc Zorba Pastor. We'll spend the next hour with you in our virtual doctor's office. Definitely virtual. Although <laughs> there are no patients here. The thing is, Zorba, we're missing... We have patients, but there are no patients. Right. Barely any patients, <laughs> so I feel like this today. Uh, we're missing that waiting room TV, you know, that has the volume turned all the way down, and there's like a show on there no That's one right. really wants That's to right. watch. No, no, no. We're it's missing a rerun. that. We need it's a that. rerun yeah. of a show that no one wanted to watch. That's right. All right. That's we'll, right. We'll talk healthy living. We'll walk you through a healthy recipe. We'll get to some of your phone calls and emails, and a few voicemails for as sure. well. For sure. If you have a question for the good doc, the number to call anytime is 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. And along with those calls, we have a few healthy living topics, Zorba. We're going to talk about plant-based vegetarian diet and how it actually lowers the risk of COVID and what this really means to our overall health and how we fight viruses this time of year or, frankly, any time of year. I think there's really important information here. And then acupuncture, very interesting, may actually curb the risk of stroke. There's an increased risk of stroke with people who have rheumatoid arthritis. This may actually curb the risk of stroke. What does that mean for our wellness in the future. That sounds great. How about the special recipe today? Mushroom and tofu stir fry. Mm. If you like stir fry, if you want to have a good vegetarian recipe, this recipe is for you. I promise you it is delicious. All right. To the phones we go at 800-462-7413. That's 800-462-7413. Let's welcome a caller now from Liberty Lake, Washington. Hi. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I love you guys. Oh, thanks. Thank thanks you. so much. Thanks so much. How <laughs> can we so help? Funny. How can we help you? <laughs> well, I'm a, so I'm a 73-year-old white male. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know if the color matters. But, I don't think so, but you I do have... not sound like you're 73. I mean, really, you sound like you're much younger. <laughs> there is a difference in voices, and you sound much younger. So so go on. Just oh, thought I would comment. You. You're thank welcome. you so much. Well, I've got ASHD, so it's like mm-hmm. an antriol something heart disease uh-huh. and I'm on, I'm on cholesterol medicine and I'm on blood pressure medicine. And I've been on cholesterol medicine for about 20 years. My wife is on the keto diet. So all she's eating is meat, eggs, you know, low carbs, butter, all that stuff. And she says I should get off the statins because they're bad for you and just go with this keto diet. My doctor said she must be mad at me if she wants me to do that. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you guys been married? 42 years. Oh, 42. Hey, that's nice. That's pretty pretty good. She's looking for a younger man. Is that why she told you that? (laughs) Well, she said she's been happily married for 20, so I figured (laughs) that's pretty good. (laughs) Well, first of all, ASHD basically means arteriosclerosis, atherosclerotic heart disease. That's all. It's just a a moniker that we use when we're writing stuff in, you know, in charts, stuff like that. Um, Have you had a heart attack? Have you had a stroke? I mean, why were you put on cholesterol meds in the first place? Just an elevated um, cholesterol, family okay, history. Uh, What's going on? Well, um, I've got three stints. Three I stints. Okay. Three stints. Mm-hmm. I guess you were on sale, so, okay. you know, buy <laughs> to get one free. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is another story. Always looking for a deal. <laughs> but you, you got it. You got to laugh out of it. There's no doubt. So, first of all, you have three stints. So, you've got known heart disease. So let's talk about statins because that's really that's really important. So there are a number of drugs that lower cholesterol, drugs, let's talk about that first of all, that are worthless. Niacin is a drug that lowers cholesterol. It's worthless. It has never been shown to stop heart attacks and stroke. Another drug called Lopid, can't remember right now what the generic name is, lowers cholesterol, hasn't been shown to prevent heart attacks and stroke. Zetia, another drug, Possibly a little bit, a uh, little bit of lowering, lowering of cholesterol for sure. Does it actually prevent heart attacks and strokes for people who don't tolerate statins? That's kind of our go-to drug because there's some evidence, not a lot, but some reasonable evidence in there. So what do statins do? They don't just lower cholesterol, and that's the real issue. They don't just lower cholesterol; they reduce inflammation 
in the arteries, the little arteries that are in your heart, and they reduce the risk of heart attack and stroke probably by this, quote, secondary effect that we really can't measure. What we can measure is when you go on a statin, you reduce your risk, you're going to have a heart attack or stroke. So your wife may be right in the fact the keto diet may be good for her, but the keto diet, eh, it's not really good for you. The Mediterranean diet is really the way to go. And the Mediterranean diet and the keto diet are complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Mediterranean diet, fruits and vegetables, legumes, all that good stuff with a little bit of animal protein. And the keto diet is like animal protein gone wild. I mean, so there's a difference. So... I think if I were to bring out, oh, you know, I've got a gavel here. Okay, oh, I got a gavel. He just found his gavel. It's not even judge. Found my gavel. I was ever going to have it. I come down squarely on your side. Definitely stay on the statin. Do not go on the keto diet. Ah, good. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, wow. Yeah, I suspected she had, you know, ulterior motives. No, no. <laughs> but people, but you, a lot of people have that have that same question. They'll say. Look, I go on this diet and I lower my cholesterol. Do I need a statin? And they go, well, let's look at the data. Then you make the decision. These drugs have been shown to reduce heart attack and stroke dramatically. We have stopped premature heart attack by more than 75% since I started medicine back in the dark ages when statins weren't invented. A lot of it is the control of blood pressure and the control of cholesterol. And the meds really do work, even though there's a whole industry that argues against it, including the red yeast industry, which, by the way, was tainted for years with statins. And that's why red yeast rice worked well hmm. and red yeast was because they put statins in the red yeast to lower the cholesterol hmm. thank you how's your health what are you doing for exercise well I, I work out a little bit and then i walk a bit i'm still still working at 73 i don't do anything too physical but so i'm you know what do you do for a living i'm a i'm a salesman so uh -huh. i'm um i sell glass windshields and stuff like that oh, for wonderful. kind of a local company Wonderful. Yeah, it's fun. You know, you just go around and have fun. You should, you know something? But you bring up a really important point. You should keep on working when it gives you pleasure and you enjoy doing it. And age should not, should not be a factor. My father, in fact, we put this on his tombstone years ago when, when he died. You're only as old as you think you are. That's good. We put that right on his tombstone I because like yeah. he worked until he was 87 years old. That's wow. what he did. That's what he did. So That's good. So keep working, yeah, take your statin, good. and love your wife. Yep, I'm well. I'm trying. It's a challenge, but I'm trying. So, actually, I I tried retiring, then she retired, then I went back to work. So just to kind of show you, that's always a motivation too. When your wife retires, you have a little more incentive to get out of the house. Well, you but but, around, but you, you do. Know. You want to have separate life. You you do. We love to be with each other, and we would like to also be separate, and not be in the house. You know, twenty four seven. I think a lot sure, of people sure. feel that way. It's really good. It's good for both both areas of our lives. So. Well, thank you. Thank well, you for sharing thank this. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so very much. And have a wonderful day. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks a lot. You take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for that call at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, Zorba. Let's get to our first healthy living topic. I'm looking at a headline here that says a plant-based or vegetarian diet is linked to lower odds for getting COVID-19. Yeah, so so let's look at this and then let's expand this away just from COVID. So okay. COVID-19 is a virus and we all want to keep away from viruses, right? Sure. I mean, and we can't avoid them, you know, especially in the wintertime when mm -hmm. we're forced indoors, no matter where you are, you're forced indoors. Even if you're in warm weather, you're forced indoors because it's dark at night, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's not just a weather issue. We know there are more viruses in the wintertime, but they're here all, all along. So this is an article in, in the BMJ, mm -hmm. and it looked at a diet that's high in vegetables, legumes, you know, beans, mm -hmm. legumes, nuts, tree nuts, which are like walnuts, you know, pistachio nuts. And it, that included peanuts, by the way, in the two, which is a legume. Peanut is not a nut, even though we call it that way. Uh, low in dairy and meat may be the issue, but it's really high in veggies, legumes, nuts, seem to reduce the risk of actually getting COVID by up to 39%, which is a huge difference. So this particular study 
looked at lifestyle groups, and they looked at people who are called flexinarians. Have you ever heard the term flexinarians? I've never heard that term before. Flexinarians. Okay. That means you might eat fruits and vegetables, semi-vegetarians. So they're people that eat only vegetables. Uh, we're not just talking about vegans, but only vegetables. Then they're people that add dairy, more dairy to their veg- you know, okay. dairy to their vegetables. Then people who maybe add fish to what they're eating, and then people who just eat everything at all. They mm. looked at people who follow, who basically followed a predominantly plant-based diet, ate more veggies, okay? okay? Whether or not they added other things to it, they were not strict vegetarians, but they ate a lot of veggies, they had a 32% less chance of getting COVID. That's pretty significant yeah. in terms of this survey. Now, it's only a survey, so we can't tell, but it was volunteers who were recruited during from March to July in the year 2022, and they look at dietary patterns and looked at the risk of they're actually getting COVID. So what does this mean to us? Well, I think we have to look at COVID as a virus, bad virus, obviously, but we have to look at the fact that we always have viruses. And here it is in the middle of the wintertime, people take vitamin C and they do, you know, they take zinc and they take another... Uh, another group of industrialized products to try to keep from getting a virus when Mother Nature is right in front of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe forget about the industrialized products. Maybe spend your money in the grocery store. You know, have some more oranges or eat some more broccoli or kale or greens. You know, add some more veggies to your diet. It's not just you're having veggies as a side dish. Maybe you're having veggies as a main dish. So once again, it's like the Mediterranean diet. shows you the king of good dietary, what we should be eating, are a variety of fruits and vegetables. It's not just you're getting rid of meat and dairy and other things but it's that you're adding fruits and vegetables to whatever you have. And this shows that it works for COVID-19. If it works for COVID-19, maybe it works for the common cold. When was the last time you got a cold? Uh, I think I, about a month ago. A month ago. Yeah. So how do you feel when you get a cold? Like I have a cold. Yeah, like a cold. <laughs> but does it keep you in bed? No, it wasn't that severe. Uh-huh. I mean, that's pretty yeah, rare for me yeah, to be yeah, that out yeah. of commission. Yeah, so do you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables? I try to, yeah. Oh, well, maybe that, do you succeed? Sometimes, you know, some yeah, weeks are better than other weeks. I try, I, think, to, I try to eat smoothies. But, I, but I think that, a know. smoothie, yeah. that's a good way to get fruits and vegetables. Start, start your morning with a smoothie. Sure. Or bigger salad, you know, at lunch or at dinner. Or, you know, a cooked vegetable every, you know, every single night, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. I mean, I, I go to one of the stores I go to has wonderful frozen veggies. And when I don't feel like cooking anything, I throw the frozen veggies in a pot with a little bit of water. And they're done in like 10 minutes, maybe. No, not even 10 minutes. Five minutes, and all of a sudden, I have more cooked veggies at a, my, at a meal. Mm-hmm. That's the point of this study. 39% risk reduced by a ve- more vegetarian diet and for COVID. And that means that you may reduce your risk of getting viruses during the winter, summer, fall, and spring by putting more veggies in there. Go, veggies, go. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Three. Call us and leave a voicemail if you'd like to. Let's go to voicemail now. This is a listener from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I uh, am I'm in my 70s, and uh, I topped out at uh, five foot eight. I am now five foot five, approximately, and my weight has not changed during that uh, height change, and that uh, precipitates me being in a obese category. And I, uh, I just wonder. Uh, where is the loss in height occurring? What is happening in, in regard to internal organs? Well, first of all, the loss, of, loss in height is interesting. It has nothing to do with the internal organs. It has to do with the fact that we have discs in our spine. Uh, the bones are there. They stay there, right? You top out of whatever you top out mm-hmm. after there. But you've got discs in between the bones. As we get older, the discs become, um, they're not as big. They kind of lose their volume. Now, why do they lose their volume? Because we get old and they lose their volume. <laughs> I don't know exactly why. So as they lose the volume, you've got all these discs in your back. As they lose their volume, you lose your height. And it's very interesting. So here it is. I mean, it's a good example of how BMI is overrated. Mm-hmm. He's at the same weight, right? Mm-hmm. He's at the height, and all of a sudden he shrinks, and that then he becomes outlawed. He it becomes just throws obese. the whole equation off. It throws the it throws the whole equation off, but it doesn't throw off his risk. Right. Just because he loses height in his vertebrae, right. he doesn't all of a sudden become obese. And now, oh my God, I'm obese. I've got to do something. Now, uh, the truth is, if you look in the mirror, 
the volume that money that muscle mass has probably turned to fat mass because that's that's what happens. So if you look at yourself in the mirror at 19, 18 or 19, and you look at yourself in the mirror 50 years later and you weigh the same, you don't look the same. <laughs> you're smiling. Yeah. You know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're like, you're smiling. Well, I was talking to my eight-year-old yeah. son the other day yeah. about shrinking and how we eventually all just start shrinking. And he, you're talking to your eight-year-old son about shrinking? It. Yeah, well, he was, he's asking me about him, you know, his height and growing uh-huh. and how tall yeah, he's going to be. And right. it just came up. Yeah, but, it came up. We've talked about on the show before that yeah, we all we eventually – yeah, What's the peak? Shrink. At what point? What age do you think? Do you well, know? we reach our, you know, maximal somewhere, uh, you know, between 18 and 24. I mean, oh, you wow. know, for guys, something like that. You I mean, already start shrinking after your no, 20s. No, no, no. With your maximal height. Oh, okay. You know, when you start, when you stop growing. When okay. do you start, when do you start shrinking? Yeah. <laughs> probably, That's the question. <laughs> probably as soon as you stop growing. Not really. Um, I don't know when those discs begin to lose volume. You mm. know when they begin to lose volume? When you notice it. <laughs> you go to the Good doctor's answer. office and they put you and they say, Let's measure your height when you go, I'm not that short. And you're trying to stand up as tall as you can. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden you go, I've lost an inch. So, uh, but this person also, I don't know when that, when that really That's starts. You yeah. know, uh, if anyone knows out there, please yes, send an email to Zorba at WPR.org. I'd like to know exactly when that deterioration uh, is there. We have a number of docs and researchers who listen to us, and I, I'd be interested in going there. But, but let's get back to the issue. The issue is now that he's, quote, obese, does that mean his risk factors have changed? And the answer is no, because that's just a guideline. And then we hit this guideline and then we put it in our chart and we say the word obese, which is a terrible word, because when you think of obese, you have different images of what Mm -hmm. that means. But the reality is if he fits within that category, he probably may want to look at some weight loss because it may be since he's lost muscle mass that he's increased fat mass. And if that's around the girth, around your belly, that means you increased your risk of actually having a heart attack and stroke. So if you find your belly is bigger and you've done that, it may be that you want to change your diet and go to a more vegetarian diet like we just discussed because that'll be good to keep you from getting a virus and staying well. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, before we take a break, Zorba, as you know, we have some doctors who listen to the show, just like you mentioned, actually. Quite often, they'll send us voicemails offering up their take on something that was discussed on the program. So we decided to create a segment for this. It's called Doctor to Doctor. 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 And Doctor. Doctor. I'm into it. I'm into Hello, it. I like medicine. it. <laughs> Hello, medicine. Uh, the fu- <laughs> you like that medicine? one? Yeah, it's a kind of, joke. You know, don't even get into it. The following voicemail came from a doctor in Oklahoma. I'm a bariatric and metabolic surgeon and listen to Dr. Zorba while I commute between my clinic and my hospital. And I just was listening to the episode um, today that had recipe with andouille sausage, and I really was disappointed that he's promoting any intake of sausage as it has been well established to be a group one carcinogen, essentially known cancer-causing type of food to intake. So I really think that he should not be promoting um, that type of recipe uh, for health. So first of all, what do you think? That's an love, interesting one, right? I love comments. I really love comments, <laughs> and I do not think that sausage is a known carcinogen. Now we look at the nitrosamines that are when you take sausage and barbecue it, and it kind of goes into the air, and they're a theoretical carcinogen. But I don't think eating sausage is going to cause cancer, unless, unless. What if it's all you eat? Correct. <laughs> you hit it right in the head. So, you know, if I'm making gumbo and I want to put some sausage in, I'm going to put some sausage in gumbo. Now, on the other hand, you have to remember, this is a bariatric surgeon and she deals sure. with bariatrics. And so I think that's a very important point. So the, the clientele that she sees mm-hmm. are a bariatric clientele and they're really, and that these are really important things. So some people pretty much should stay away from sausage because it may be that they're eating too much sausage or some people may be allergic. Moderation. But I, I do not think sausage is a known carcinogen. 
on the other. And if you eat too much of it, it's really not good for you. And I do when we have brat fest in Madison and we get all of those brats. So maybe I should stay away from the brat fest in Madison. But if not, when I'm making my gumbo, I'm going to use andouille sausage. Well, it's everything in moderation, right? It's just you've been saying that for a long time. uh, And that's really- A little bit of sausage is going to be okay. That's right. But you don't want to eat sausage every day. You got You got it. That's right. So so that's it. I'm taking over your job right right now. Thanks. That's all you got to say. Thanks, Carl. That's it. Thanks. That's right. You can call Carl anytime. Anytime. 1-800-462-7413. Have a healthy living question for Zorba? Ask Carl. Yeah, sure. Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at... Zorba at WPR.org. More of your calls to come, more of your voicemails, more emails. Absolutely. And we'll put together a healthy recipe. This is mushroom tofu. There's no, yeah, this is a tofu stir fry (laughs) with mushrooms, no sausage. All that coming up on Zorba Pasture on Your Health from PRX. Christensen in Buck Studio with Dr. Zorba Pastor. And if you have a healthy living question, call this number, 800-462-7413. That's 800-462-7413. You can call anytime and leave a voicemail. But before we get to those calls, Zorba, let's do the recipe. We have mushroom and tofu stir fry. This seems like a recipe Tom would love. <laughs> well, Tom loved mushrooms. Did he like mushrooms? Sure. Okay, he, he likes did mushrooms. mushrooms. He likes mushrooms. And as for tofu, we know, we know, we his know position the answer. On tofu. You know, yeah. He wasn't called no tofu Tom for nothing. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, but uh, mushrooms. So it's a, it's a good recipe, good easy recipe sure. stuff to have. So you're going to use four tablespoonfuls of an oil. Peanut oil, canola oil, that would be good. Um, olive oil would be fine. Remember, with stir fry, you really would rather use an oil that has a higher smoke point, such as peanut oil, avocado oil, or canola oil. All right. Okay. Four big tea oil. Right. Yeah. Pound of mushrooms. Now, you know, the mushrooms you get at the store, I call them button mushrooms. They've got a name. But you can use creamy mushrooms, portobello mushrooms. You can, of course, use shiitake mushrooms. Mm-hmm. They would be good. If you go, I go to an international Asian grocery store, and they have a whole bunch of other mushrooms that you can also use. Okay. And when I went to China... Uh, and I've gone there a couple times because my daughter-in-law is Chinese. You go to the marketplace, and there are, you know, just like we have a variety of sausages and we have heirloom tomatoes, they have heirloom mushrooms. And often there are like 30 or 40 different kinds of mushrooms that I've never seen before. Hmm. But if you go, try different mushrooms in this. Don't just use regular mushrooms. Pick a few different mushrooms and mixed mushrooms. Pound. Okay, one pound, one pound of mixed mushrooms. One sliced. medium sliced. Mm-hmm. One medium red bell pepper diced. One medium red bell pepper diced. Bunch of scallions. Trimmed and cut into two inch pieces. One bunch scallions, all right. Tablespoon of fresh grated ginger. One big tea grated fresh ginger. Now, do you have ginger in the house all the time? Sure, yeah. Yeah, do you ever put it in the freezer? Mm, Yeah, we've done that. So if you put Keeps it in the freezer, yeah. not only that, it's easier to grate. You just take it oh, out of the freezer. Right. I've heard you say that and before. And you grate it directly yeah. out of the freezer, and you put it back in the freezer. And just it just kind of flakes right off. It flakes right off. Yeah. It's actually easier to grate from the freezer than it is for me from fresh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a large clove of garlic grated and chopped. And if you like garlic, you can use two or three cloves of garlic. One large clove garlic grated. Eight ounces of tofu. Now, mm. for this recipe, you're going to use eight ounces of either extra firm tofu, but preferably baked tofu or tempeh because it's going to stay structurally sound longer. All right. And three tablespoonfuls of a stir-fry sauce that you have on your shelf. All right. Three big tea stir-fry sauce. Let's make this one. Let's make it. So heat two tablespoonfuls of oil in your wok, high heat. If you don't have a wok, you can use a cast iron pan. So first off, add the mushrooms, bell pepper, stirring for about three to four minutes until you get the moisture up. Take that stuff out of there, okay? Now, 
Put in the scallions, ginger, and garlic. Cook for about 30 seconds. Then throw the other veggies in there. Cook the whole thing up and then add the tofu. You don't have to cook the tofu very long. What you really want to do is just heat that tofu up and get the moisture into the tofu, that good veggie smell, the good veggie taste in there. And then stir in the stir-fry sauce and you're done. That's it. Very simple, That's simple, easy recipe to make. Put that, put some like maybe brown rice on the side, and you've got a mushroom and tofu stir fry. And if you want this recipe, mm-hmm. guess how you can get it, Carl? Guess. I think you just go to the internet. That's right. Go to the internet, <laughs> the World Wide Web, and zorbapaster.org. That's zorbapaster.org, or of course through Facebook. 800 462 7413. That's 1 800 462 7413. One, three. All right, let's take a phone call now. This is a listener from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi. Good Hi. talking with you. Good I talking with it. you. Well, thanks for calling. How, how can we help you? Well, first of all, Dr. Zorba, I want to thank you so much for the delightful world of medicine. <laughs> well, thanks. That you bring, that you bring to us. So I'm so, so, ha- so happy to talk to you today. Thanks so much. So um, the reason I'm calling is um, because my grandson, and I'm quite concerned, mm-hmm. has been diagnosed with non-seminoma testicular cancer. How old is he? He's um, in his young, he's in his 20s. 20s, okay. Pretty pretty typical, by the way, for that, for that cancer. It is the most common cause, well, yeah, I think it's the most common cause of cancer, certainly for young men in their 20s. And and it, it just it, I'm in the medical world, mm-hmm. and I was really not aware of it, and I would like to bring it to the general public because right. it's it's a sensitive for young men. Yeah, of course. You ask any you ask any guy, especially a young guy, about his testicles, and it's like, oh, we don't even want to talk about that. I mean, it really is. You know, we're taught that it's so interesting. It's a cultural issue. We're taught that at a young age in our society, not to discuss that. But go on. So you've got a your grandchild has this testicular cancer. What what is going on with it? What's he doing? It's stage one, mm-hmm. and Good. he um, he he had three choices, mm-hmm. which I really find interesting too. And um, he just has either surgery, chemotherapy, or surveillance. And and he, in his good thinking and taking time, has decided to go with the surgery. And it's um, he two reputable hospitals mm-hmm. um, would be taking care of him. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I think she will do well. I think there's a good percentage uh, that he'll do well, and they caught it in in stage one. So it's it's that that makes me feel right. good too. He must have picked this up himself, or was this picked up during an examination? Do do you know? No, he he's really a, a great grandson. He was um, proactive. Great, and great. Uh, he's in a very good community, uh, medical wise that he is getting very good health and very good medical care. So that that, that pleases me. So I, I just wanted to get your insight, but it sounds like... A, but you, know, he, you bring up some really, really good points. He was in two different institutions, got a second opinion, something like that. You want to get a second opinion. There's chemo, what are the, what are the risks, benefits and risks of chemo, surgery, benefits and risk for surgery, surveillance, Benefits and risk of surveillance, and you've got to look at all those, and then make, uh, then make a decision that's the right decision for you. And especially when it concerns an organ such as this, testosterone levels, and everything that's involved with surgery, uh, and then and the outcomes of surgery. So the real issue is he wants to stay alive. He found it. He's going to treat it, and he's got enough information so he can make a good decision. And you sound like you're oh. a great grandmother because you're watching out for your boy. Oh, yes, yeah. And he's a, he's such a nice boy, <laughs> a young man, such a good good grandson. Oh, well, I thank you for your help. I really appreciate it and appreciate all you do for uh, for we who listen to you. Well, thank you. It's, it's <laughs> such a delight and the camaraderie that you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot. Uh, with Carl. And, um, and I love your recipes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. And, uh, and, and also um, my sympathy, condolences to you um, also. 
with your loss. Oh, yes. So. Thank you. Yeah. My yeah. wife yeah. My wife and I were yeah. together for half a century. She would appreciate it if she were here. So she's listening somewhere. So thank you. Thank you for your comments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I'll be listening to you. Uh, I continue. I've been listening many, many years. So <laughs> thank you so Thanks. much. And nice, you take care. Nice talking yeah. with you. you. Nice talking with you, too. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for that call at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, let's go to a voicemail now. Let's try to help out a listener in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, Dr. Zorba. I want to tell you that I 100% agree about the standard BMI. It is stupid and discriminatory and there is a new calculation called smart bmi that takes into account age and gender and it uses a different scale and it is much more realistic i think she's 100 percent. have you heard of smart bmi well i've heard about it and and actually it's it's a different way of looking at bmi it looks at age looks at sex looks at weight looks at height so we have to go back to bmi so so first of all we in the healthcare professions like numbers right sure we like numbers why because they make a difference you know 98.6 was everyone 98.6 with their temperature no Mm -mm. not at all some people, especially as we get older, our temperature tends to go down. We're not 98.6. Are we not healthy? No, we might be healthy. So then we talk about height and weight and blood pressure, blood pressure, big difference, good numbers. We bring our blood pressure down. We reduce heart attack and stroke. It makes a difference. So BMI came in, came in probably about, oh, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago as this is a measurement, and then we say, well, below a certain number, uh, you're okay, and above that number, you're overweight, and then above that number, you're obese or you're extremely obese. I mean, I would have guys in my office who are bodybuilders, and their BMI would show that they were obese, and they've got 2% body fat. They're on muscle. You're not obese. You know, the BMI is wrong. So smart BMI, the idea is we use different numbers based on whether you're male or female because women have more body fat than men. It's the nature of that's just the way the bodies are built. We take age into consideration. We take sex into consideration, whether, as I said, men or women. And it's, it's a different way of looking at BMI. I think it's a much better, uh, much better idea. Now, even though I think it's a better idea... It's not going to take place until there's an overall sort of feeling in the medical community that we should do it. But the problem with BMI is that now with an electronic medical record, we put them in and then we look over one side and it says obese or morbidly obese. So instead of looking at the patient, we're looking at a number. Mm-hmm, right. And that is really the wrong way to look at it. That's a problem. Totally. It's a problem. And if we wonder whether or not somebody is overweight, we could look at them and see if they're overweight. We could put them on a scale say we could ask them what they think of whether or not they're the right weight or not the right weight. And so BMI should only be one measurement. And that's not the way that's not the way it's being used now. So people then come into an office and they'll say, well, wait a minute, I'm obese now. I wasn't obese. Well, we, we just talked about a gentleman on the show where all of a sudden he shrunk because uh, the intervertebral discs are not nearly as uh, as big as they used to be. So he went down a few inches of height, and all of a sudden he's obese. Really? He's obese even though he's the same weight? It's really changed? No. His structure of his skeleton changed, but his body hasn't changed. So smart BMI is better, but looking at the patient is best. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, before we take a break, Zorba, it's time to log in to the Zorba Pastor on your health Facebook page for another edition of Facebook Feedback. Facebook Feedback. All right, Zorba, this message came from Kathy, who writes, I'm a new follower. I heard you on the radio. That's a good start. Of course. I love it. It's a good start. It's a great start. That's great. great. I'm 66 years old, Mm -hmm. retired since 2020, and now diagnosed with osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. I can't tolerate Fosamax, Mm -hmm. so my doctor wants me to get... And and that's a drug, that common drug used for osteoporosis. Okay. Mm -hmm. My doctor wants to get me an infusion. Right. So I'm looking for alternative ways to build back bone. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm considering bioidentical hormones, but I'm mm-hmm. not finding specific detailed research information. 
Any suggestions? Thank you and God bless. Well, uh, first of all, when we look at osteoporosis, it's very important to remember bone density is also a function of how much calcium we're taking in and what kind of exercise we're doing. And our goal in bone density is to prevent fractures, especially hip fractures. So let's talk about the natural things first. You want to make sure you get enough calcium, which is at least 1,000 milligrams a day. You want it to come from natural sources, at least for the most part, if you can do that, and then supplement it with inorganic sources, because calcium is an element. It is by nature inorganic. So if you eat dairy products, you want to have a container of yogurt, and then if you want to supplement that with Tums, or, you know, Tums, which are good source, and other chewable calcium, I take some chewable calcium every day because that's an easy way for me to get some extra calcium. Then you've got to look at exercise, weight-bearing exercise, walking, jogging, doing something with that. Then you want to look at balance. You want to look at anything to increase your balance so that you won't fall. So Tai Chi, dance, anything you do is going to increase your balance, is going to decrease your risk. Now let's look at the meds. Drugs like Fosamax have side effects. The side effect is you've got to sit up, take the pill on an empty stomach, with on an empty stomach and wait 30 minutes before you actually take anything into your stomach because it's not absorbed very well. And then you've got an injection such as Prolia, which you get injected periodically. And so you don't have to take Fosamax, but you have to go in and get an injection. And these drugs work differently. You take them for a five-year period. After five years, you stop taking them. And they stop something called osteoclast. Now, osteoclast, your your body, you probably never we probably never discussed this on the air. You have you always have bone produced in your body, and you always have bone that's taken away from your body. Your skeleton is alive. Hmm. You don't think of it as alive because when we're dead, that's what's left over. But right. you're always building bone, taking away bone. And osteoclasts eat away at bone so new bone can be put down in that spot. And drugs such as Lundronate and Prolia decrease the osteoclast activity. And so often you get 1% or 2%, just a t- tiny percent increase in your bone skeleton, in the total amount of calcium in your bone, that reduces the risk of fracture. That's how these drugs work. So there are the hormones that have been tried. They haven't been shown to reduce fracture. That's the goal. The goal is fracture. I don't care about the numbers. I have osteoporosis. Well, really, it's only a number. What I care about is if I have osteoporosis, I may have a fracture. And that's why you've got to take the other, do the other things, such as getting enough calcium, getting enough exercise, and making sure your balance is good. And that's what I would key into. And then if you have severe osteoporosis, consider prolia. Do you have a healthy living question for the good doc? Let us know by posting on our Facebook page or by sending us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. We have much more of the show to come. We'll hear more of your calls, more of your voicemails and emails, and we'll discuss another healthy living topic. So keep it right here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX. Christensen in Buck Studio with Dr. Zorba Pastor. He's right over there answering your questions. The number to call anytime is 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we get back to your phone call, Zorba, we're talking about acupuncture might curb heightened risks of strokes? Well, it turns out that if you have, uh, specifically in rheumatoid arthritis, that's Mm -hmm. what this is an article looking at. And people with RA, rheumatoid arthritis, actually have a higher incidence of stroke than the general population. And this is whether or not they have diabetes, hypertension, increased cholesterol, and so on. So this was a particular study looking at acupuncture. Now, as you can imagine, if you had rheumatoid arthritis, you might want to try acupuncture. Yeah, seems like a good works. idea. Yeah, because, you know, it's a devastating disease, and some people it's more devastating than others. We've got a number of good medications that are on the market now, better than when I first started medicine. The biologics have really changed things. But a lot of people still have pain, and they use acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And so they looked at uh, uh, people, twenty over about 24,000 people between... Uh, 
the between the time of 1997 and 2010, they looked at them and they looked at basically to see who had actually developed a stroke and who did not. And they found, lo and behold, people who engaged in acupuncture appear to have a reduced chances of getting a stroke. Hmm. And so the question is, why is this? Uh, well, uh, rheumatoid, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis is an inflammatory disease, and it turns out acupuncture, we don't really know the way that it works, but it may reduce inflammation. Now, have you ever tried acupuncture? I've never had it. My wife has done it, and she seems to have had some good results uh-huh. with it. For and I know a lot of people who have tried it. Yeah, for pain for and pain. different things. That's, yeah. That's so, kind of the most... I've heard other you know, friends have done it, and you know, it seems... Has it ever been studied, though? Well, it has been, it has been, it has been studied okay. in a variety of different ways, uh, and it works for some people for pain. It works on a short-term basis for many people, for some people on a long-term basis. But this is the first study I've seen where it actually affects biological problems such as stroke. I mean, there are many risk factors for stroke, you know, whether or not you have diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and so on. But this is an inflammation, which may be an issue. And so I think if you've got any kind of inflammatory arthritis, this may be something that you would be interested, you know, in looking at. Stroke is incredibly, uh, incredibly still common in our society. Heart disease is the number one cause of death. Cancer is number two. Stroke is number three. And of course, from a disability point of view, stroke is really up there. So anything to reduce the risk of stroke is worth considering. This study showed that rheumatoid arthritis sufferers who have an increased risk of stroke are helped by acupuncture, but it may be useful. It may be that acupuncture is useful to reduce the risk of stroke for anyone who's at a higher risk of stroke, such as people with atrial fibrillation, high blood pressure, diabetes, or heart disease. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, let's try to help out a caller now in Spokane, Washington. Hi. Hi, Dr. Zorba. Um, I would like to know what... um, your knowledge is about um, Parkinson's disease because mm-hmm. there is so little known out in the world or in, in this country especially that uh, I have done my own checking and going to support groups and getting literature and uh, informed myself because I have done self-diagnosis because it is very hard finding neurologists sure. around here. Yeah. Now, do you, have, uh, do you have Parkinson's or does somebody in your family have it or are you worried about no. it? Self-diagnosis, mm-hmm. because um, I'm almost um, 88, mm-hmm. and um, I thought maybe it's getting older that I have these various symptoms, and one day I just thought I better check into something else, but it's not just getting old. Well, let me, and, let me tell you a few things. So first of all, we do not, uh, there are drugs that we use for Parkinson's. I just want to go back for a minute. You can really make a self-diagnosis. I've got a really good mm-hmm. friend. I had the first symptom of his Parkinsonism years ago was something called anosmia. All of a sudden, he stopped smelling, stopped tasting, mm-hmm. and stopped smelling. And that was probably... It was probably 20 years ago. He's now got end-stage Parkinson's, so that was it. Mm-hmm. The first symptom can be, you know, a little trembling with your hands, you know, the Parkinsonian mm-hmm. tremor you can read about. It can be shuffling where you're not picking up your feet, you're mm-hmm. not moving quite as well. There's something called rigidity. If you if somebody moves your arm and instead of moving it quickly, it's called cogwheel rigidity. It feels like the cogs of a wheel. That's part of the diagnosis. If you look at mm-hmm. it, so there are a bunch of things that take clinical diagnosis. There's no blood diagnosis that we know of. The yeah. treatments, as far as we know, do not alter the progression of Parkinsonism. They only help the symptoms. Now, the bad thing about Parkinson's is that it's usually progressive. And the good thing is it may be very slow. You're 88. Mm -hmm. So the Mm -hmm. reality is you may have minimal Parkinsonism, but it may not manifest until you're 108. And frankly, Mm -hmm. the chances of you're getting to 108 are pretty small. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, that's on it. Yeah, I understand. I have read so much about it, I could really give a talk about it. That's what I'm sure you could. I'm falling. Mm -hmm. I had hip replacements, and I thought it had something to do with it. I I, I fell quite a few Mm -hmm. times. And, um, so you bring I up a really good point. You're, and I lose my balance yes, all the yes. time. So your and point, these are all signs. And the point that's important here is you need not to fall. 
So I want to leave you with a couple of things. First of all, balance is really important. There are a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. balance exercises. There are classes with Parkinsonian. Uh, tai Chi happens to be very good in this for and Parkinson- dancing. They and have dancing. dancing I've gone there. All of those issues, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the risk of falling is really the major risk. At the age of 88, mm-hmm. if you fall, break your hip, 25% chance you'll be dead within a year from the fall not from the Parkinsonism. So falls are, number one, very important. Getting enough sleep in bed, even if you're not sleeping, eight hours a night, extremely important for Parkinsonism. Mm -hmm. Why? you got to give your body a rest. And if you need to nap in the middle of the day, 20-minute nap in the middle of the day, 40 minutes will probably disturb your sleep at night, but 20 minutes of laying down, shutting off everything, it doesn't really matter if you fall asleep. Very important. Good good sleep hygiene. And then the third thing, of course, is following you know appropriate uh, Mediterranean-type diet. I have been a, a vegetarian for most of my life, so I don't eat yeah, processed right. food. I do my own cooking. I have been healthy. This is why I'm still, um, you know, walking, and, and, uh, and I have to lift my feet. 100%. That's, yeah. But that's why you're still around. You're still walking. And if you need a walker, get over the vanity and get a, cup, get a good walker. If you feel like you need a walker, get over the vanity because people don't care. So wear really nice clothes and jewelry so they look at that. <laughs> And then, and then put some, and then put some lights on your walker, oh, yeah. some LEDs on your walker. And if they go, you have a walker, and then you push a button, and you go, thank you, and you have a little thank you on there. <laughs> thank and you. And you know they have a sign now you can put on yourself yeah. when people walk behind you, yeah. and it says, um, "I'm not drunk. I have Parkinson's disease." <laughs> 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 yeah, I have seen that because I've been in touch with the foundation, and I got a lot of literature and reading. reading Reading, reading. But you're doing your best, and that's what counts. And put that sign in the back. I'm not drunk. I have Parkinsonism. <laughs> and then you could also yeah. put a little swear word on the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we won't say that one on the air, though. <laughs> Take care, and thanks so much for well, sharing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye, thanks. Bye-bye. Then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for that call at 800-462-7413. That's one 800 462 Seven four one three. All right, Zorba, let's take a listener email. This is from, quote unquote, the B-Man in El Paso, Texas. Okay. This is the B-Man. The B-Man. Yeah, that's how he signed it. And just for context, we were discussing the use of bee venom as a potential aid for arthritis symptoms. Right, right. All right. The B-Man writes, I am a positive case study for the efficacy of bee venom therapy. Mm. My family Mm -hmm. doc told me Mm -hmm. at age nine, Mm -hmm. the wrist is not broken. The pain will go away in two weeks and return in 20 years. Uh And he was correct. Fortunately, 20 years later, I had started a beekeeping hobby. I had all the medication I needed to treat my wrist in the backyard. After practicing picking (laughs) up the bees at their entrance by both pairs of wings so as not to receive all the treatment on my fingertips... I pressed the beautiful bee to my wrist and huh. winced a bit. Oh, my goodness. After, Picking up the, by the wings. By the wings. So he really, oh, it's so it interesting. It sounds like a very, like well, a surgical very procedure yeah. almost. Well, but obviously he cool. knew his bees. Yeah, right? okay. sure. Uh, after some mm-hmm. days of one mm-hmm. or more stings, mm-hmm. I felt a lasting relief. Huh. Now I treat that wrist mm-hmm. occasionally if it gets tender. Interesting. An elderly gentleman has oh, come right to me. Oh, right in the wrist. Yeah. Oh, I've got it. So yep. it's not just, it's right locally where the injury Sting occurred. right in the wrist. Interesting. Yep. An elderly gentleman has come to me for rheumatoid arthritis in his knees. He swears by this treatment, as hmm. do I. Thanks for your open mind. Oh, that's very, very interesting. Is so, that interesting? You know, we run an issue with venom because uh, if you look at venom deaths, there may be three venom deaths from snakes every year in the country, and there are 500 to 750, maybe up towards to 1,000 of venom deaths from insects. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very careful. And it may be that you will develop an allergy sooner or later. On the other hand, we don't study venom because of its side effects. And mm-hmm. this is rather interesting because there may be an aspect of V-Venom that is in there that doesn't even cause an allergy that may help in this specific way. Well, that's quite interesting. Interesting. Ed. Maybe we should yeah. study that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. That's quite, quite remarkable.
Do you have a tip for the good doc? Be sure to either post on our <laughs> Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. 800-462-7413. That's 800-462-7413. All right. Before we clock out today, Zorba, let's hear from your favorite hand raisers. I guess the grammar police. Okay. <laughs> that was you should we should really re-record that so you sing it. If you if you're up for it, let's do that. You okay with that? Of course. Okay. Of course. I can do it. Get that. I can get do your, it. I, I can get your my soprano voice. Up. voice. I can yeah. get my, oh yep. no, my soprano. I used to be a high get soprano. Your, uh, that was your, years ago. Yeah, your junior high. Voice. No, yeah, junior high. Junior right. high right about there? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Actually, Zorba, this one comes from a highly reclusive division of the grammar police we've yet to hear from. This is from the nature police. Have you heard of them? Never. I don't think I've heard of them. Never. No. The Nature Police. All right. Here's an email from Steve in Evansville, Wisconsin, who writes, Dear Dr. Zorba, I always enjoy your program. Thank you. Oh, good start always. Yeah, that's Steve. And have never been inclined to correct your grammar. Thank you. But But, the other day you kept saying something and you kept repeating it over and over and over again. It must have driven him crazy. I think so much that he he emailed. Uh, Steve says, you would say, quote, go out in Mother Nature and, quote, get your kids out in Mother Nature and enjoy Mother Nature. Steve says, it's just me. It's just nature. It's (laughs) It's me. Just nature. It's not Mother Nature. Mother Nature would be a person, not a place, (laughs) and a fictional person at that. You should say that you enjoy or experience nature. Nature, that's right. Experience nature. What do you think of Steve's email? (laughs) I'm kind of surprised Steve has never emailed before. That's my answer. That's right. That's right. That's right. So you mean, am I going to get rid of the mother and nature and just say Will nature? Will this change your behavior at all? Nature, you know, you know, no you way. Know, you know, no way. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Sometimes mother and nature just come hand they in hand. Do. You know, you know, like potatoes, potatoes. Sorry. Right. But thank you for your comment. And thanks for listening to the show, Steve. Absolutely. I always appreciate it. Do you have an issue with something Zorba said on the show? Is it in your nature to correct people? Or in your mother nature? <laughs> or just, in your mother's nature? Oh, sure. All right. Just send your grievance along in an email to? Zorba at WPR.org. All right. Should we do this again next week, Absolutely. Zorba? Absolutely. Okay, let's do it. If you missed anything during the show or you just want to stream the show online anytime, visit us on the web. At ZorbaPastor.org or, of course, through Facebook. And don't forget, you can call us Anytime. 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 To leave your question at 800-462-7413. That's 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It is not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is me, Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Ben and Leo Sidron. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Carl Christensen asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's Healthy Living Articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's zorbapastor.org.